Hello and welcome to this week's Sun and Echo Raw podcast uh, with me, Richard Minier. I'm joined this week uh, by Phil Smith and James Copley as we meet to discuss all the latest news from the Stadium of Light. Uh, and we have a game this weekend, which is uh, which is good, slightly unexpected, but Sunderland will play Hull City at home on Saturday evening. The game selected for uh, Sky Sports as well, um, after the two clubs both had a spare slot in their fixtures list. Obviously, Sunderland were due to play Fleetwood, but that game was postponed, so um, we were anticipating a short break, another little break, but uh, good to see Sunderland are back in action this weekend. And it's, uh, it's a big game as well, obviously, against Hull, so we'll chat about that in, in a short while, and we'll reflect on the goalless draw at Northampton Town last weekend, obviously after a four-game break where Sunderland had uh, three games that postponed themselves and then obviously that couldn't stand the game. was also called off as well. So uh, plenty to discuss and a uh, little matter of the January transfer window as well. Obviously Sunderland looking to do some business this month. Clubs in League One, especially sort of limited with the various salary cap and wage restrictions and all those things and squad number sizes, but um, we certainly expect someone to do some business this month, so uh, we'll reflect on that as well. Uh, as expected, a fairly quiet start to proceedings with what are we now seven days in and no no new signings just set at the academy of life. But uh, Lee Johnson's obviously been working working hard on his targets, so we'll hopefully see some movement on that front soon. Uh, and Lee Johnson will be doing his press conference on Friday afternoon at one o'clock at the Academy Light. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon, um, so 24 hours or so before Lee Johnson speaks ahead of the game against Hull. Um, should we kick off? Should we kick off with January then? I suppose that'll be obviously the main talking point amongst fans and what Sunderland fans can or can't expect this month. Um, as I say, no, no business done just yet, but we know they're looking to add had a couple of uh, signings, hopefully this month. Um, what, what's your sort of general thoughts, Phil, in terms of what a, I guess, what Sunderland need, and b, realistically, how much business will get done this month, in ins and outs, I guess. Although, yeah, I think, I think fundamentally, what where Sunderland need to be at, at the end of January is to be a more threatening attacking side, um, and I think that means that you know you need to strengthen in a couple of positions. Up front is the obvious one, whereby really there just hasn't been enough goals over a over a long period of time is the top and bottom of it, but also a lack of variety really. You know, we, Lee Johnson was speaking after the Northampton game and he said, I've got a lot of good footballers in the squad, a lot of good attacking players in the squad. But they're all quite technical players who want to come to the ball and come deep and affect the game that way. And, you know, it's one of those moments where you kind of have a, a slight wry smile at yourself because I remember Jack Ross saying exactly the same thing in about October 2018. Um, you know, it's a, it's a long-standing issue that needs to be corrected. So it's not just about goals, it's about the profile of that striker as well. You want someone who, who can stretch the game, who can turn the opposition back four, um, who can make life difficult for opposition defenders. And I think also to improve your attacking threat, I do think Sunderland are lacking creativity in midfield. I think if you're going to persist with you know, four three three or four two three one or any variation of that formula, particularly when you're playing against teams who are happy to sit behind the ball and are happy to take a point, you need players in midfield who can who can un- unlock the opposition defence. And I think at the moment, Sunderland are far too reliant on Grant Ledbetter, who really at the moment is the only player in the side who kind of try and play those balls into the box. He'll try and play those balls through the defence. Um, and obviously, you know, he's at an age where if we're, we're talking about playing 30-odd games in 100 days or something, I'm not sure it's realistic for him to play all of them. I think he can play a good chunk of them because he seems to be in great shape. Um, but I think those are the main two positions where 
you would like to see Sunderland in a better position at the end of the window. But you know, obviously, as you mentioned, the the salary cap is is a massive issue, and there will have to be outgoings if Sunderland really are to do what they want to do. And that's not easy because, as we've seen in previous windows, you know, Sunderland uh, pay good wages at this level, and it's not easy to find suitors at this level. And that's going to be even harder in this window because you've got to think that other clubs, you know, financially are in a very difficult position. So it's even tougher for them to be taking on Sunderland's players than it would be in ordinary times. So, you know, Johnson's been quite relaxed about it, really. He has said he doesn't think he needs a major overhaul. It's just one or two bits and bobs. And I think the reality of the situation means that probably will be what we're looking at, where it's, you know, a handful of additions rather than any kind of drastic overhaul. And I suppose it's a bit of a leveller, isn't it? The, the salary cap and the wage, uh, sorry, the restrictions on, in terms of numbers and stuff. So Sunderland can know that their rivals also won't be adding half a dozen quality signings, will they, really? Because all the clubs are in the same same bracket as well, I guess, in terms of the issues they're facing mid-season. Yeah, and it, actually, if you if you look already, I know we're only a week into the window, but there has been minimal business done across the division. There's been one or two kind of loan signings or what have you around, but it's not one of these situations where we're frustrated because Sunderland haven't done anything and we're looking at these clubs in the top eight or ten who have gone out and done really impressive business. Um, it's going to be a really quiet window. You know, it was interesting that the head of the head of football at Ipswich Town talking about how clubs might be forced into doing swap deals because of the difficulties around the salary cap and the pandemic and what have you. So it is going to be a really, really difficult window. But I think, to be fair, I think all supporters understand that takeover or no takeover, you know, because of the salary cap, because of the climate we're in, you know, this was never going to be a window in which someone went out and spent huge amounts of money. It was never about that. It's just that, you know, as journalists and, and as supporters, we've all watched for this team for a long time and we know that they can be a real threat in open games, but they have a problem beating teams near the bottom. Um, it's a big issue and they need a little bit more creativity, a little bit more gain, a little bit more pace. So, I think nobody's expecting big names to come in. No one's expecting big, big money to be spent. But what people want to see is an awareness that those problems are there and for some to do the very best they can in difficult circumstances to try and address them. What's your, what's your thoughts, James? Um, would, you, would you agree with those sentiments? Is there any other areas that you'd like to see Sunderland strengthening? Or, or do you think there's any potential younger players or fringe players who could have more of a role to play in the second half of the I was going to say the second half of the season but there's so many games left to play Yeah I think I, I would agree with most of what Phil said um, obviously with Will Griggs injury up front out for nine months with a knee injury Sunderland don't really have um, a different type of player to Danny Graham or Charlie White so I think that would definitely be a priority and it would be nice because as Phil alluded to there Managers have, have known that Sunderland need pace and power and strength and a bit of dynamism, but fans have been crying out for it for you know, a long, long time as well. So it would be great if this was the window that that was you know, finally addressed. Um, but it is going to be really difficult with a salary cap, as Phil says. It's, um, it's definitely levelled the playing field and it means clubs are going to have to get really creative. In regards to youngsters, I think I spoke about the last time um, I came on, but I would really like to see Embleton. I know he's not an out-and-out striker, but he can use both feet. He plays as a number 10. Perhaps he needs to work a bit harder off the ball, etc., um, and deliver a bit more quality and attacking areas and affect the game more. But I, I genuinely think he's got you know, some serious quality and perhaps needs to grow into um, 
grow into the club a little bit, but I think he's out of contract in the in the summer, so there's motivation from there. There's there's a carrot dangled in front of him, um, something from the aim at. So it's uh, it just feels like a very flat transfer window at the moment, as Phil says. Just a couple of loan signings. I think Doncaster Rovers got somebody from um, from Barnsley, um, and Chad Evans left to go to the Championship, obviously from Fleetwood. But he, I think he was a free agent, so there's not been much in the way of drama. It doesn't feel like a very explosive transfer window at all. No, not so far. We have to get yellow tie on. Um, when you mentioned contracts, actually, um, how many players out of the field? Is it 21? <laughs> Is it 20 or 21 players out of contract this summer? It's it's above it's above 20. Yeah, um, yeah. a lot. We a lot. Which obviously will be be the case, I guess. At a lot a lot of clubs at this level, you know, that's not unusual to have a high number of players out of contract. We often sign one or two year deals, shorter terms usually. But but that's one of the huge things, isn't it? Facing the, the new owners and, and Lee Johnson and the, the new football sort of structure is to um, is to I guess once the window's probably out of the way to, to deal with that contract situation and really tie down a lot of the young young players in particular who have a lot of bags of potential. So. Um, Problems or mistakes of the past aren't repeated, really. Aren't they? I mean, we can all think of plenty of them at Sunderland, but the contracts is a huge issue. One, one of which I know you've written extensively about. Phil. Yeah, it's just we're just in this kind of situation every year, really. Um, and I think the important thing I'd stress about it as well it, it's it's when we talk about tying down young players, it's it's not necessarily that thing of oh you know play all the kids and you know they're all they're all amazing players and they're going to have amazing careers. It's you know the the reality is is that not every player who comes through Sunderland's academy is going to be a successful player for Sunderland's first team. That's just you know that's just life. But you know Sunderland are leaving themselves so vulnerable every year to losing players for that's for not their value. You know I I always go back to it. It's the example I use all the time. You know you you can debate whether Ethan Robson, for example, you know should or shouldn't have been in Sunderland's first team. You know what? I think we could all agree is him leaving on a free at the age of 23 or whatever he was at the time he left, given the promise he had and given the performances he was putting in as an academy player in his late teens and early 20s, was just bad management. There's no way Sunderland shouldn't have been able to get some return on the investment they put into Ethan and the talent that he has, and it was just bad management that he, you know, he ended up going on a free when he did, and you know. We don't know whether, for example, Jack Diamond or Elliot Embleton is, is looking to the summer and is assessing their options or what. I would imagine their preference would be at State Sunderland. But again, they've just left themselves in a vulnerable situation. And, and ultimately, this is why you know, we need the takeover. And we need some proper stability. Um, because every year we can't be in this situation where we kind of go, yeah, it's a bit worrying that all these players are out of contract, but there's uncertainty and we need to wait and see what happens with the takeover and we need to wait and see what happens at boardroom level. And, you know, at some point that's got to stop. You know, you're right in what you say. I think, to be honest, a lot of the players who are out of contract, you could look at it and say, well, you wouldn't want to be making the decision now. You'll want to understand, you know, what what division you're in next season and make a decision from there. But, you know, we can't be in a situation every year where we have three or four really important players who clearly could be part of the club's long-term future or, alternatively, could bring in the club some money to help them become more sustainable here out of contract. Um, you know, it's it's a really poor way to run a football club and, and it's one of the big things that I'd like to see addressed a little bit more proactively when, you know, when the new regime touch would come in. Yeah, fingers crossed that'll, uh, that'll uh, come to fruition hopefully soon. Um, we still expect... Take up would be hopefully confirmed sort of middle of Jan, so maybe within the next week or two. Um, 
EFL have confirmed that you know they're kind of working as normal despite the lockdown in terms of uh, processing owners and directors application tests and all those kind of things. So um, hopefully we'll have a firm update in the next uh, next ten days or so. But we shall see. Um, so yeah, just moving on to the football then. Um, Hull are without uh, I think three key players this weekend when they head to the stadium night on Saturday night. Um, good to see someone get a game in. Uh, obviously they've had a lot of three match days recently due to the COVID uh, outbreak at the club. So uh, good to see that game rearranged for Saturday evening. Um, James, you looking, looking forward to the game? What do you expect from it? I'll, I'll be looking forward to it if it's uh, if it's less like the, uh, the Northampton game and more like the Lincoln City game. But uh, yeah, I, I really like the attitude of, of taking the game. We've seen over the years in League One that sometimes teams have, or clubs have, have done the best to disrupt Sunderland's schedule and um, and I, I like the fact that Lee Johnson and the club have, have gone right. We'll play this game. We're not bothered where Hull are. We'll um, we'll get it out of the way. And I think it um, it shows a bit of confidence as well. But Hull are a good side. We played them. Was it in the Carabao Cup um, at the Stadium of Light and, and should have won? Um, lost on penalties in the end. But they're clearly a good good side. I think the five points off Lincoln and top, but with two games in hand, um, might might be wrong on that. But they, they are close to the top. Um, you just want to see a good performance. We're really, it really feels like we need to get some momentum going, especially under Lee Johnson. You know, with the the COVID and the stop start and national lockdowns, it all just feels really fragmented. Um, especially after such an impressive result against Lincoln, you were really hoping that the, the club could push on, the team could push on, but for sort of reasons out of their control, it, it hasn't happened. But that could be a blessing in disguise. He might may have been able to to work with them and get to know them a bit more. Uh, they might be more familiar with his tactics now and his demands of them. So um, it's a really important game because, you know, Sunderland don't win or if Sunderland get beaten, you're starting to look up at the promotion places and obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of football to be played yet. We know that there's a lot of football to catch up on, but you don't want Sunderland, even with the games in hand and, and stuff like that, to be too cut adrift too soon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Hull City second heading in the game, four points off Lincoln at the top. They do have a game in hand. Sunderland down in... Eleventh, uh, uh, eighteen games, just a couple of games in hand over the teams above them. Twenty-nine points. So yeah, you don't want to see that uh, gap extended any further. That's for sure. Um, you looking forward to the game, Phil? Or were you, look, were you looking forward to Saturday off first of all? No, I, I think you know. I, certainly, certainly, my timeline. There was you know, definitely gave everyone a boost. I think yesterday when, or at least it seemed to, when we had a game to look forward to on Saturday, and that's. Certainly, how I feel about it. I, I absolutely hate free weekends, um, and I think it, it is good that the game's getting played. I think teams are going to have to be agile um, if we're going to have any chance of getting the fixture list done. And yeah, you can always make an argument if you know would something be stronger if they played it next month and some signs are in or whatever. But I think the lesson of the last two years really is if you get a chance to play your games, play them. Um, you don't want them queuing up at the end of the season. You certainly don't want them queuing up when there's some uncertainty over when or how the season might end, as we had last year. Um, yeah, maybe it's not ideal that this player's injured or you haven't had time to get signings in or what have you. But if you want to get promoted, you've got to beat these teams. Um, yeah, I think it's a big lesson from the last couple of years. If you get a chance to catch up any fixtures, you take it, even if it's not the absolute ideal scenario. And yeah, it should it should hopefully be a good open game. I think it seems from what we've seen certainly this season and under Lee Johnson that Sunderland are probably a bit more comfortable when the game's a bit more open um, and hopefully you know Hull are kind of you know one of those teams who I think will come up expecting to to compete and to to win the game 
So hopefully that'll lead to, a, a, you know, as James mentioned, a game that's a little bit more like the Lincoln one rather than, say, the Northampton or the Wigan or the Burton one. And, and maybe, you know, fingers crossed, that's what Sunderland actually need right now. Is... Good stuff. Thank you very much. I was going to ask you uh, about the uh, Northampton game, but I don't think we'll I don't think we'll dwell on it, lads. I don't think there's much more to say than it that it was a goalless draw. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for your time. Um, thanks for listening to this week's Raw podcast. We'll be back next week. As I say, uh, Lee Johnson is due to speak on Friday afternoon, so head to the Echo website over the next couple of days for all the latest on the, the transfer front ahead of the game. Obviously, we'll have our full coverage on Saturday evening as normal um, from the Stadium of Light. And we'll be back next week with our, uh, another January Raw special. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.